friends, it's my privilege to introduce to you our next speaker. His name is Brad Huddleston. Now, Brad is a well-known American author and speaker, but since his book, Digital Cocaine, was released in South Africa, he was also very well welcomed on South African stages. Brad is an internationally respected speaker, consultant, teacher, and author on the important issues of technology and culture. He has worked with universities, schools, churches, and law enforcement, and spoken to tens of thousands around the world on both the advantages of well-used technology tools, but also the dangers of the growing trend towards technology addiction. Brad has a degree in computer science and a diploma of biblical studies. He is the author of Digital Cocaine, A Journey Towards Eye Balance, and The Dark Side of Technology, Restoring Balance in the Digital Age. Brad and his wife, Beth, live in Virginia in the United States. He is here today to speak to us about the potential of living a double identity as Christians in a technology-orientated world. His session is called Real. Please welcome on the I Am Warrior stage, Brad Huddleston. God bless. Thank you. Morning, men. Just want to say what I think about South Africa, and I don't have time to say it all because it's so much and it's so good. Um, when I first came here about four years ago, uh, making this part of our global stops, um, by God's grace, carte blanche called and I appeared on that and um, the University of South Africa was watching and they asked me to come back over and keynote at a, at a conference. And after that conference, um, they asked me to stay on in collaboration within their Bureau of Market Research and Neuroscience Division and never in all the countries that we go to has there been a country so aggressive to, to deal with the issues that I deal with and some of the other issues that have been brought up here this morning. So uh, I study brain science. If you'd like to put that cover of the book up there, as it relates uh, to, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not an expert in everything. What I am proficient in is digital addiction. And so when you look at this cover, that's the cover of my newest book, um, that comes from neuroscience. When you look at the brain scans of people who have uh, become addicted to cocaine, very stimulating drug obviously that causes an extreme hyper um, stimulation in the brain and a lot of dopamine. When you look at those brain scans and you look at the brain scans of people who have crossed over into digital addiction, which would be pornography, social media, video games, you can't hardly tell the difference between those scans and in some cases the heroin scans are identical as well. We'll talk about that, and the most stimulating of all of these digital drugs would be pornography. So, I'm going to take a little journey on the two lives. Now, you can't really see it on this screen, but there is another mask over onto the side of that one that you can see, and it's a bit grayed out, symbolizing the double lives that we can end up leading. Now, I want to say that I'm from the background, science obviously, and I love science, but I would highly recommend that you not put your total faith and trust in science. Uh, if I were you, I would put my faith and my trust in the inerrant, infallible, God-breathed word known as the scriptures. If you believe that they are infallible and God-breathed, would you say amen again? Amen. amen. Let's talk about pornography and where it comes from. The Greek word porneia, is where we get our modern English word 
pornographic and pornography, and by definition, it means fornication or fornications. Now, at that root, that's just one of the English translations for it because it encompasses all sexual perversion, including whoredom. So also, when you talk about fornication, sexual intercourse between two people who are not married. A lot of Christians, because churches don't deal with this, the ethos and philosophies of churches have changed, uh, such that we're worried about keeping people in and not wanting to offend them. We don't tell the full truth all the time, but porneia at its root means fornication. It also means whoredom, which encompasses lewd, lewdness, unlawful intercourse with the other sex, worshiping idols and idolatry. One of the places that we find this in God's infallible word is Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, and there's the word porneia, pornography, fornications. Notice that it is plural because it also encompasses homosexuality, anal sex, bestiality, pedophilia. It encompasses all sexual immorality. We just chose one word, or the translators did, fornications, but again, it's plural. Thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Now, the NIV renders it this way, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality. There it is, porneia, all sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. The Apostle Paul correcting a very vile and evil bunch of people in the city of Corinth says this, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife. Marriage is a requirement, and it has to be the opposite sex. Can we amen God's Word? As a minister of the gospel and, the, uh, and also a computer science guy, the internet comes along, and of course, being a, a nerd, <laughs> I embraced it, as many of you who are my age would be. And if you remember, in the early days, it was just text. And then we had hyperlinks. We didn't really have Google or any way to really search. We were actually writing URLs down on napkins and handing them to people. And uh, hey, check out my website or, or this uh, website and so forth. And then Google comes along and, and Yahoo and some of those where you could actually have a search engine. But the first media that appeared were pictures. And it was amazing. We could take a photograph and with a 14.4 modem or slower, in about 20 minutes, we could post a picture and somebody in the other part of the world could see it. And we were amazed. And the first group of people who figured out how to monetize the internet were the pornographers. And one night, after a bunch of pictures started to appear and the internet started gradually getting faster, these pornographic websites were coming online. And I remember I was on the radio in those days and I was uh, on every morning doing this crazy morning show with a lot of humor. It was a Christian show. We'd use the comedy and so forth to draw people in. And as a result of being in the media, I would preach a lot in churches. And one night I got caught into this trap of pornography. It was one day and all day long I was standing, sitting there amazed at what I was seeing. I'd never seen anything like this. And I was masturbating and lusting, and, and part of me was loving it. The other part of me was horribly conflicted. And I'm sure some of you under the sound of my voice know exactly what that's like. It's the one face here, the one face here. The, the preacher in me was feeling horribly guilty. The other side of me was loving it, and there was a conflict. I knew it was wrong, knew it was a sin, and I was married. And so it didn't last very long for me, and I went to my pastor and three other ministers, and I confessed it fully prepared for them to remove me for a season in ministry. 
I said, all right, guys, I've been masturbating, looking at porn and this internet thing. I'm embarrassed and I'm shamed. And two of them came under conviction. and They were ministers as well and said, us too. Now, when I did that, the power of it broke, but the images stayed. And they'll never leave. Growing new brain matter, a section I wrote in the previous book that I wrote on this subject. And I just want to read a short piece to you. But look, we're going to end up somewhere else today where the masks, one of them will fall off if you choose God's way. And you won't have to have that dark side anymore. I've had it, been there. Sometimes those images to this day, I have to manage them. And here's why. On the topic of pornography toxicity, Dr. Judith Reisman gave the following testimony before a Senate subcommittee. Thanks to the latest advances in neuroscience, we now know that pornographic visual images imprint and alter the brain, triggering an instant, involuntary, but lasting biochemical memory trail by overriding the cognitive speech process. This is true of so-called softcore and hardcore pornography. And once new neurochemical pathways are established, they are difficult or impossible to delete. Pornographic images also cause secretion of the body's fight or flight sex hormones. This triggers excitatory transmitters and produces non-rational involuntary reactions, intense arousal states that overlap sexual lust, now with fear, shame, and or hostility and violence. There is a physiological component to shame that will wire in the brain beyond your control with pornography. Erotic fantasies become deeply embedded, commonly coarsening, confusing, motivating, and addicting many of those exposed. How does this brain sabotage occur? Brain scientists tell us that in three-tenths of a second, a visual image passes from the eye through the brain, and whether or not one wants to, the brain is structurally changed and memories are created, we literally grow new brain with each visual experience. And that's what I was left to deal with, even though my sins were forgiven. Yours can be forgiven here today, too. Now, I want to tell you, it's, it's really encouraging. If you know who Dr. Caroline Leaf is, uh, Dr. Leaf talks about at length and in her books, she will sometimes show you these images of people whose brain has a little dark spot on them, and those are the people who have the shame the guilt, the depression, and negative cyclical thinking. And a miraculous thing happens when one chooses to think differently. Neural pathways start to change for the good. New brain growth happens for the good. It's called neuroplasticity. And in the second slide she shows, there's new brain growth right over top of the dark. And while if you choose to remember the dark times in our lives, you, you don't have to. You can live in the newness of the growth over top of it. How good is God to do that for us, no matter how vile we have sinned? The mask, the one that we don't want to wear, can fall off. Let me show you what addiction looks like in the brain. And then some of the resulting conditions related to pornography and video game addiction in particular. I want to show you a brain animation I created from Dr. Archibald Hart's work his book called Thrill to Death. If you'll notice as you are entertaining yourself, and I'm entertaining myself, over time when you hyperstimulate or stimulate too much, the brain starts to build up resistance 
as is illustrated by that ever-growing wall that I designed. Now, technically, it's a chemical barrier around it, but the reason I made that little wall there is because I speak to children in schools in addition to all the way up to universities and in churches, so I wanted to keep it simple. So this resistance builds trying to push out all of the extra dopamine, forcing us to do the activity more intensely, harder, and longer to continuously shock the system into more dopamine so that we get over the ever-growing resistance to continue to get our fix, and that is what what addiction is. Am I making sense to you? So what ends up happening, we get addicted, and then there's this other stage beyond addiction that has a lot of neuro people very worried because for years this has been understood and that condition that we're about to talk about in this third video used to only be found in schizophrenics, people with severe major depressive disorders and severe drug addicts, and now this is found in children whose parents use devices as babysitters. Now, I didn't come here to condemn you with this. No one is doing this on purpose to their children. I speak in an awful lot of one-to-one -one laptop and tablet program schools, and in this country, I speak in Kuro schools. And no one has done this on purpose, but what ends up happening, if you notice on that previous video, the wall got so big that the middle of the brain there where we feel excited, it went numb. The color left it. And that is a condition called anhedonia. Basically, if you heard your children, when you say, okay, put the game down and go outside and play, and they say, that's boring, that's boring, that's boring, that's boring. That's because analog, do you remember that word? The non-digital activities are generating the proper amount of dopamine, say, for learning, for enjoying a relationship with their grandparents. Problem is, they've been gaming, social media, looking at porn, so they come to that activity that is less stimulating with a barrier known as resistance. And if they're doing an activity that doesn't generate enough dopamine to penetrate that barrier, anything beneath that threshold is non-stimulating, which we call boring. And this is what pornography does. The wall grows with that very intensely. In fact, neurosciences taught us that it's not just the cocaine effect, not just the heroin effect, it's combined. It's a polydrug effect. So I want to show you how porn works. With the brain, it only goes one way. So as the stimulation has to increase due to an ever-growing wall, anything that way that you've done becomes less stimulating and you have to go this way. You have to continuously shock the system to get over not only a wall that's growing this tall, but you can also think of it this thick, because it's a polydrug effect. So let's just say you were married long ago, and you enjoyed a healthy sex life with your spouse. You fell into porn, and I'm judging no one. I confessed my sin before you. So if your spouse is here, and you start to look at porn, the porn is way more stimulating than her. And so the barrier forms, and the only way you can be stimulated to have sex with your wife is when you are going to make love with her, you have to call images from porn in order to be stimulated because she's not as stimulating as what you've newly been looking at. 
So then the problem also comes, what you looked at in porn, that's going to bore you, that genre, and, and, and then you'll say, you know what, I, I will never look at this type of porn, and a few months down the track, you find yourself looking at the very thing that you once swore you never would, and it's not that you're necessarily enjoying it, it's just that you cannot be stimulated by going backward that way, you have to keep moving this way, but the porn has to become more and more vile. If it's drugs, the drugs have to have more toxicity in order for you to continue to feel the same level of mania or high. Porn is particularly bad for this. Now, there's a correlation, I believe, in my research between video gamers and pornographers. I'll, I'll lay this out for you. The average age of a video gamer is 35. And we're seeing marriages all over the world breaking up. I want you to look. I was in Johannesburg, Beth and I were, and this guy has hair on his face, and he's an employee playing a video game. So I went up to the Nintendo store, and there's the Mario Brothers, but I want you to look at the guys over to the left. How is this affecting us? This is not a Christian magazine, but Beth and I experienced what you're about to see all over the world. This says, the sorry lives and confusing times of today's young men. I'm going to read just a few quotes. They don't have jobs. They're dropping out of university. They play video games all day and watch porn all night. Why won't guys grow up? The women are irate. The women are talking about men, young men, the men they'd like to date and marry. And here's what they are saying. All they want is sex. They don't care about relationships. They're so lazy. All they do is play video games. They aren't men, they're boys. Beth and I encounter young adult women all over the world, some of which we keep a running prayer list for, and we pray for them because they have made a commitment, even though they have these boys who are gamers and looking at porn all around them in their churches, they refuse to date them because they're holding out for a real man. I have some advice for the 30-some-odd-year-old gamers here. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things away. Now, brothers, the reason why I'm being so hard about this is I have a computer science degree, and I became extremely anhedonic, and God has touched me, and I'm well now for the most part, and... As I prayed for you and me, this is what I really feel like God was saying. It's time to put this child, childishness away with His help and His power and His grace and His forgiveness. The world is collapsing and falling apart. And all of that time that you spend wasting on this absolute nonsense, God is saying, if you'll just come to me, You'll find out what your call is, and I will use you as a warrior to turn this world upside down. And if you have children, your full-time job outside of earning money to provide for your family is raising them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, discipling them. And God is saying, I have good plans for you. They're not to harm you. They're to give you hope and to give you a future. And all the shame and that mask over here that you don't want to have God says, I'll forgive you and take that away. Some of you are in such bondage. You came here today hoping you'd find the release. And you're going to find it today if you want it. I found it.
And I just want to pass it on to you. And I'll, look, I'll be honest with you, I'm glad I had real men in my life that talked straight to me. I'd have gotten beat up if I'd have wore skinny jeans. I mean, and rightfully so. <laughs> now, let's go to... These are called SPECT scans, single photon emission computer tomography scans. It's just showing brain activity. This is a baseline of a healthy brain. I want to show you a marijuana brain. I want to show you a cocaine brain. I want to show you another baseline of a healthy brain. Look at the heroin brain, how much activity is gone. And look at the worst one of all, it's the porn brain. And the ingestion did not come through the mouth through a vein or through the lungs. If it were smoking, it came through the eyes. No bloodstream needed to metabolize that drug because the eyes are connected directly to the brain. The dopaminergic effect that's causing these problems is instant and potent. And with pornography, it is the worst one of all. The beginning point of all healing is not science or medicine. It's the fear of the Lord. All healing comes from God, ultimately. And I thank God for the science and the doctors. The question was asked earlier on the screen, is it a sin? And I was disturbed at some of the reaction that I heard. Maybe the translation wasn't quite accurate. Yes, it is a sin that separates us from God. And the sexual sins are the worst. Thank you. Now, where am I getting my information from? I don't believe in finding truth within myself. I believe in finding truth from the inerrancy of God's scriptures. These are the very words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, and that's what porn is all about, looking, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, I know this sort of thing is inappropriate to be reading in churches these days, <laughs> not this one. But do you understand what it's like for me to put this on the screen all over the world and have people look at me like I've done something wrong? Here's the thing. I'm under this same authority that you are, and that bothers me, and it should. Because in moments in my marriage when they weren't so good, that kept me on the straight and the narrow, because God loves me enough to talk to me straight. And then when I have sinned, and I have, He forgives me. I want to talk to you about the, the, the cure. Here's the amazing thing about neuroscience, you can also see on the brain scans the color coming back on fMRI brain scans where they have been diminished and depleted because of hyperstimulation. When people stop and they turn around over time in as little as 21 days, the brain begins to heal itself. And that's God's plan for us. He knew we would stuff up, so we sent Jesus. Here's what turning around looks like. You and I are walking in a direction contrary to God, and we're, we're kind of stumbling our way through life with no direction, trying to do it our own way. And God does a very politically incorrect thing. He confronts us. 
And he says, stop. He's saying that to some of you right now, stop. He's not angry at you and me. He's loving you with an everlasting love because you're his child. And he says, I want you to put this down. And I want you to turn. That's what the word repent means. It simply means to turn around, turn your back on it, and think differently and walk toward God. And where's God? God is over here, not with a hammer ready to hit you and me upside our head. He's here with his arms wide open. And he's got this big red reset button, to use a nerdy illustration. A big red reset button called grace. And he's saying, after you've put that down and turned around, come over here, come over here, hit that reset button called grace, fall into my arms, and I will forgive you. And from this point on, I will treat you as though you never did those things. And all of that's been made possible by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all unrighteousness. God did that for me the day I confessed in front of the other guys and after I quit bumbling around trying to find some more flowery words and just said, I am wrong. And then those gentlemen and I, we needed each other and so we made an accountability pact. There was no software, there was no accountability software in those days. And I tell you what, after all these years of working in law enforcement and, and being in IT departments, I can tell you software doesn't work. God's people work. We need each other in community face to face with all the junk switched off and get the presence of God much like we felt during worship, right before I came out here. Wasn't the presence of God so real and tangible? Hallelujah. Don't wait for these conferences to get that in your home. I want to show you something. The vast majority of all the pornography is accessed through a smartphone. I have one. <laughs> I have two. I have one that only works in America because uh, most Americans don't even realize there are other countries. <laughs> and then I have a global one that I can put a SIM card in, and I even know what a SIM card is. <laughs> For a season, men, this is the challenge to you. And it's a challenge to me. You do whatever it takes for six weeks to detox your brain with God's help and with His people praying with you. The color will come back in your brain. Your marriage will be healed because God will see to it. The wall will come down. That mask that you're wearing that you don't want anyone to know about, God will dissolve it by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, we've got a lot of work to do. The world is collapsing, and we are the only ones with the answer. So what do you say? We, we man up and be warriors. Yes. Yes. I want to pray for you. Would you just close your eyes, please, and then we'll have questions. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I stand with my brothers here today, and not innocent, but guilty but forgiven and I want to extend that same forgiveness to my friends here today Lord I still shudder with embarrassment of the things I've done and seen 
And yet I, I, I know your grace. And for those that have not yet experienced that turning around and the power of the resurrection to forgive and to heal, would you please come to my friends here today? Will you love on them? Give them the humility as men to say I'm wrong, to confess their sin not to me or to any other man but to you, and to receive the forgiveness. Men, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm just going to ask for all of us to pray this. Some of you, you're, you're praying it not because you need it today, but because you're going to stand in with those who are praying it who do need it. It's a prayer of forgiveness, of receiving Christ, or perhaps rededication. And then I'm going to pray for the men who need the power of God to take those images and to put them in the background and begin to grow new brain growth right over top. Can we all pray this out loud together? Dear Jesus, I have sinned and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Change my life. I believe that you died on a cross and you rose again for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I confess that Jesus is Lord. Father, for those who are in bondage to pornography, I pray that you'll take the mask off, the one they don't want to wear, the shame, the one of shame and guilt. I pray that they'll find very good friends, men right here in our presence that will walk with them in this journey and that they will in turn walk with others. That healing will come. The anhedonic barrier be shattered by the presence of God and the color to come back in their brains. In Jesus' name, amen.